Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of the Strand Tennis Center podcast, filled with tips, advice, tennis, not tennis, just life advice too, whatever you need. Uh, like it on YouTube, share it on uh, the podcast as well. Thank you. Hello. Hello everybody. Welcome to the Strand Tennis Center podcast again. Uh, I didn't even tell you what the topic was today, right, Santi? You don't know? Aren't you surprised, Santi? Basically, I'm going to go into the ad, no ad discussion. You know, you know what I mean by that? Like ads, tennis. Because it's a much deeper discussion. So you've been doing our UTRs with ads, right? There's the, a long-running debate. Look, look, there's so many ways to look at this. I, number one, I hear old-school people, and I don't want to be this old-school person because the, what happens is they get lumped in with kind of old-school business-wise, too. So they're old-school. They want tennis to be a tradition, but yet things change in life, and that's why businesses go out of business because they don't innovate and change, right? So in reg- it's kind of a two-fold thing. I'm going to take ad and no ad scoring in two different ways. No ad scoring in regards to college, in regards to player development, in regards to top 10 players, like world-class athletes, you need to have ad scoring. It's necessary. It changes everything. Because a perfect example is... Something you, you you probably know this. Like when did you when can you see the moment when someone lost the match but didn't lose it yet? One of these long twenty point games, it goes back and forth, back and forth. The game takes ten minutes. That player wins it, destroys the other person physically, and the match is basically over. So in Europe they don't do this no ad scoring, and if you look at the big picture, we don't have a lot of American top twenty players, right? Because college has gotten to the eight-game pro set, to the no-ad scoring, to the super tiebreaker in the third set. If you look at it strictly in regards to numbers, if you play no-ad scoring, you're only going to play a max of seven points a game. It's just not enough practice. If you want to be a world-class player, a high-level college player, and and do more with the sport, we're just never going to get there if we keep doing no-ad scoring. Because that's what... That's what makes a tennis player a tennis player. You know, you watch Wimbledon, deuce, add, deuce, back, forth, back, forth, right? I mean, that's what makes it. If it's all no-ad scoring, it changes everything. It changes the mental preparation, changes physically. I, if I had, you know, if we had, you know, 30 world-class players here and there was no-ad scoring, I would stop fitness like, I would do it like 40% less because they don't need to be as fit. I mean, you think about how long people will last in matches if there's no ad scoring on, on the pro level. And they're all saying this, USTA, they're all saying we need more spectators to watch the sport. It makes no sense. How about we only put no ad scoring on TV for those couple of college matches they want to put on spectators uh, on TV? You shouldn't have uh, 500 college matches with no ad scoring. They're not on TV. Put the couple of ones on. If you go to the NCAA championship, okay, if you want to put a couple of those on for no ad scoring so for TV, fine. But the player development is just a mess. On a business side, I am all for innovation. 
business end, it's different. Like if you feel like, okay, we want to get uh, four more kids being able to play, you want to build your business, so you need to get more people in per square foot, sure. It's no ad scoring. Of course, it's a different thing. But if you're working for the USTA and their training program, if you are dealing with high-level potential players, it's not even close. You can't do no ad scoring. But you have to innovate in business. Like, they'll do short sets. We'll do short sets to four. The super tiebreaker is very helpful for us in the third set because we just don't have time. Unfortunately, you're in an indoor space and there's just no space and you want kids to play the match and get the feeling of it being complete, right? So if the kids are 10 and 12 and they want to get a feeling of it being complete, that's great, I understand. In some constraints, you just can't do it, right? You can't get all the matches in. You just don't have time. The kids can't stay here until 3 o'clock. I understand. But you just look. I mean, in the 80s, we had so many top, 20, 30, 40 players. We just don't have it anymore. And Europe doesn't, like I said, does not do this no-ad scoring. Their player development's very different. And we're just in a situation where I don't know what colleges are doing. And then, and then the limit and how many days you can play. I forget. I think it was 21 days. So you can't play even many matches on certain levels of college. College should be a developmental level. It shouldn't be these kids are ready to perform. They should develop like uh, Isner went to Georgia, right? A lot of players, I was watching uh, the, the German player that played Nadal the other day, went to USC for four years, right? It should be a developmental area where they get to the point where they can play in the pros, especially since these guys are playing later and later and ladies, they can finish out your college career 21 and play. You don't have to be playing when you're 16 or 17, but you need the road work. You need the match play. And if they cut it off and you're playing, like we had Christian Rubens in here who's playing Division Three, and they're playing eight-game pro sets, it's really hard to get better than another player if you're just not playing points. You need to play more points. You need to get in those situations. Um, you can't, like, you can't have a developmental league be totally different than the ATP or the WTA because they're just not prepared. That's why, that, that's why then, then they play this challenger circuit. I think the challenger circuit would be much more on the college level. There would be much more people getting prepared on that level, getting more support instead of going out on the challenger circuit where you have to pay for everything. You need a sponsor. You need a lot of money. If college was much more like the challenger circuit and you played full matches, they'd be much more prepared to stay in college and then go right to the pros, and they would expedite their ranking quicker, I think. But you're, doing, you're dealing on a college level. They play maybe one or two years. Then they go and they play the challengers and they play the satellites, right, to get to the next level of the ATP Tour. I think if you make college much more formatted to the way the pros, the pros are, those players will be ready to play. And they'll be in a college environment where they get supported. College environments are great. If you get in there, most of them are scholarship athletes if they're that high a level. They're getting paid to travel, getting paid around. They're getting supported to, tra to travel. So we've got to change that system on a pure sense for high-level players. Now, if you want to bring it back to business, right, the high-level players bring people back to the sport, right? So if you want to look at it that way, like Tiger Woods brought golf to a new level. But golf, differently, didn't put all the leverage into the player, very different with tennis. The players, you only know the players. You don't really know the sport as much. Like, I know Federer. I know Nadal. You know them, and they have all the leverage. If they don't see them in the tournament, you're not going to watch it. 
Tiger Woods is kind of not playing that much, but golf is still super popular because they've golf has really promoted the sport. And that's a, that's a big way to look at it because if you promote the sport better, I don't think you're going to have to worry about how many players are going to be on that. I don't think you have to worry about you needing these high-level players to promote the sport. So that's going to be the hard part. Look at there's two there's two different ways to look at this. Uh, you can look at it both ways as a business and for players themselves. Look at the MLB and look at the NBA. Like if you can you mention something like two great MLB baseball players? Can you mention? But you can know who Steph Curry is. Oh, yeah. You know who Kevin Durant is, right? Right? But, but why do you watch for those players? Because they're allowed to promote themselves. The NBA has allowed them to promote themselves on social media. MLB made a deal where they're not. They're pulling down lots and lots of content that is not approved through. I forget the whole contract they had, but the players basically can't run their own business, so to speak. So you don't know who any of these players are. Now, the NBA controls their league. I mean, the MLB controls their league, but... It's not nearly as big as the NBA because you don't know any of the players. Like, you would know a, an all-star baseball player if, if, if he fell on you right now. But you'll know all these NBA players because the promotion machine of the NBA is allowing them to promote themselves. So there's good and bad to all of that, right? The NBA is bigger, but at some point, those players could have so much control that they could start their own league. But you also look at it, the NBA's got a huge moat. Very, it's very hard to create, as you can see, right? Another league, like the USFL did it years ago, and they were in the summertime, that's why it worked, and then they tried to go in the fall against the NFL, and it did not work. Those leagues have such a moat, they're so in control. I think if the MLB allowed those players to promote themselves, they're not going to start a new league. It'll be huge. I think the MLB would be huge if you saw, I can't even remember, like a Trout's uh, name everywhere. You know, that's the big thing. And I think the USTA is in between. I don't know what they're, I, I, I just don't know. Like, I don't know what they're trying to do. Are they, I, I don't see them promoting these young USTA, these young players. Like, I don't see Taylor Fritz's uh, social media ever. I don't, I don't see any of that. I don't see any of these young players blowing up on social media I just I just don't see it because they're just not pushing they're pushing the player but not not good enough not to the point where there's some there's some miss there you know either they're going to promote the sport or the player I don't know where I don't know where we're at because I think what they have to do right now is promote the sport like I said and make them play longer matches in college because you're going to get a lot of great players out of there you're going to get a lot more players that develop that wouldn't have necessarily developed. You'd be like, oh, this player's on, on the tour now? As a freshman, they were a very good player, but you never thought they'd be a tour player. But I think it's got to start there. Any thoughts on this, Santi? Any, uh... Uh, for the mental aspect, like definitely ads are super important. Right, like even when I played at the park with my friends, we always played ads. We didn't know there was no such thing as no ads. You know, and then every time kids come and they play here, they're always like, oh, are there ads? I'm like, yes, we have ads. Regular tennis, normal tennis. You know, I understand, like, with no ads, it'd be faster. You could maybe finish, what, like 15, 20 minutes earlier? And you could put it in another game or put another match in. Um, but 
Well, there's a guy, a uh, great coach for Clemson, Chuck Kreese, who's the coach at Citadel now. He's a firm believer in this, but he does something different, which we should implement, which he was talking about, which is a great idea. He does kind of like the opposite. It's called, it's called, he calls it an icebreaker where he does a super tiebreaker for the first set, and then they decide the next two sets. So it's kind of an interesting way to switch it. So that super tiebreaker is kind of, it, it, it's a big decision, but it doesn't end the match with just 10 or 12 points. So it's an interesting way to flip that if they have to do it. And if they have to do challenge matches that way, they don't have much time, he'll flip it, which is a great idea. Um, Got to figure out better ways to do it because the super tiebreaker at the end, I know you play two sets and then you're going to play, I don't know, a total what? I don't know how many, 20 points. Maybe you play 20 points and it's over. It's just... <laughs> Correct. Yeah, I mean, maybe you should have won, but you you would have to figure out how many people, and I ha would have to do we'd have to get some stats and put it on 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 our website to say how many people won the second set just won the match because their momentum was going that way. Usually, if you win the second set, you're not guaranteed to win the match because it takes a full set. Then ebbs and flows. Maybe you'll go up a break, maybe you're not. But usually, you probably win the second set. I would assume you're going to win the match because your momentum's going. But I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. It'd be an interesting uh, stat to put together. So that's where I'm, uh, I'm at with kind of my thoughts today in regards to player development. Uh, and again, in regards to business, I get it. You need, to, you need to innovate, right? If you don't innovate, you're dead, like we said. You know, think of Uber. Think of all these uh, taxi medallions that are worth zero now. They busted their butt for years. These medallions were worth a ton. And now they're not worth anything. It's almost like if you're going to do business, then go buy some medallions, do the opposite or something. They're probably cheap. But things end, right? Things don't last forever. And you got to figure out and say, okay, to innovate on the tennis side as a small business, okay, maybe this will work. We'll do this. We'll try something else. We'll try this. We'll try uh, a, a, four, a short set. We'll try to do just all uh, two, uh, tiebreaker tournament, just a total tiebreaker tournament. Sure, those are great ideas to innovate as a small business because like sports explode because there 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 are certain things now in society that got have to make societies are different now generations are changing right it's different like people want things easier like we talked about why is pickleball exploded as a sport and gone crazy why is the UST all of a sudden certifying pickleball players when they didn't even know about it because it's quick, like you said. It's inclusive. You can learn it quickly. And it's fun. People don't want to re... You know, people don't... Like, if, if we were so, like, hardline and old school, I, that's what drives me crazy. Is it, It's kind of like a hybrid. Like, I hate when people are old school, like, oh, pickleball is not a sport. We're not going to do it. They play, they play pickleball and cruisers now. Yeah, because there's room. Because yeah. the... the, the, the yeah, the square footage fits. Like I'm not gonna be like I'm not gonna be one of these guys. It's like oh no, you can't do that. Like if they're having a good time and they're enjoying themselves, on on the simplest level, that's it, right? There's nothing more than that. If it's convenient, there's less friction. It's quicker. Like that's like with any invention. Like Uber was quicker, more convenient, simpler, right? Like those things are the key to innovation, right? And and if you it, the market is just going to destroy you anyways. If you try to fight it, you're, you're done. You can't be like, I'm not going to do this. We're going to... People are just... 
people. The market always decides. It always tells you whether your idea is wrong. That's what's great. To me, it's the clearest thing in the world. You come up with an idea, it's no good. They're going to tell you, and you got to come up with another idea. You can't convince anybody or tell anybody or expect the government to say, okay, no, this, you know, this person had this idea for 30 years, and we're going to keep it. It doesn't work that way. That's why I think it's very pure capitalism in that sense. We've gone all the way from no ad to capitalism, Santi. But it's true. I mean, it, on a whole scale, they're all connected, right? You can't be changing and morphing things if it doesn't work. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You have to try another idea and try another idea and try another idea. So that's what I was kind of thinking about today. So... Listen, reply in the comments. I'd be curious to, to see if people like no ad or ad scoring. I really would. Uh, share this podcast and tell me what you think. Co you know, we have, we, again, a lot of comments on Twitter. Do it on Twitter, Strantana, same thing, anything. I'd be curious if people want no ad or ad scoring. Thanks, everybody. Hey, everybody. Hope you like the podcast. Please share it with your friends, anybody that you know, anybody that's into tennis, anybody that's into bettering themselves. Share it.